Uh, go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, my name is Ricky. Sir was one of the pastors here. Uh, it should have been a lot easier, but there were more factors in play. Do we have everything we need? Does that really even sound very good? Uh, how long will it take to make? But at the same time, I don't, I don't really care what we do. Um, I'm fine with anything, but the pressure's on. Why is this question always so hard? It should be so simple. But I have to make a decision. I have to answer the question. So what do you want for dinner? <laughs> you know, I mean, and this is honestly like, I mean, almost every day in our house. And it's just, you kind of play all these mental gymnastics, even though the question is this very simple question. It really doesn't have that big of an impact. It's literally just on one meal. But, you know, and we, we, you face similar questions. We all face questions in our lives, and some of them are, are really simple questions like that. What, what am I going to wear today? Hey, what do you want to watch tonight? And then, you know, we, we face bigger questions. You know, th- why don't you think about the biggest question of your life? Maybe it's something that you are anticipating to happen in the future. Maybe you're actually facing that question right now. Maybe it's something in the past. Should I take that job? Should I open that business? What schools should I go to? Are we pregnant? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Man, where is this relationship heading? Do they like me? Should we get married? Will this treatment work? Are they going to get better? Should we move? How are my, parent, how are my kids going to turn out? Will baby Yoda, or we recently found out that his name is Grogu, will he turn into a Jedi, or will the Empire use him for their evil scheming? We face these questions. Some big, some smaller. But here's the thing. The, the bigger the question is, the more thought you're going to give to it. The, big, the, the bigger impact that the question is going to have in your life and the life of others, the more significance it has, the longer that you're going to take to think about it, the more intentionality that you're going to give to it. And today, we're actually going to look at the biggest question that's ever been asked. And that is this question that John is trying to show us is this, who is Jesus? Right? This is the biggest question ever because it has the biggest impact for you and for anybody around you. And today we're going to look at how John answers that question of who is Jesus? And we're going to actually help answer it. Why is that question so important? So if you've got a Bible, open up to John chapter 1. John's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you've gone to Acts, which we've been in for a while, you've gone a little too far. So John chapter 1, starting verse 4, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, when I was reading this, in one sense, I really like what John is doing here. It sounds so mystical, so kind of riddly, you know. Um, I mean, he doesn't even mention Jesus until verse 17, so you're like, ooh, he's talking about really deep things with light and life and the Word, and ooh, fun. But in my huddle, we're going through Matthew, and Matthew is just like, here's Jesus, and I find myself sometimes getting frustrated with John, just like, just say what you mean, man. What are you talking about? Just say it. Um, you know, but he, he's writing the, the, this for a, in a way because John has a purpose. Not only is John trying to answer for us like, hey, I'm trying to point you to who Jesus is, but he's also moving us somewhere with that answer. And he says at the end of his book in John chapter 31, I write these things to you, right? I'm telling you who Jesus is so that here's the reason. Here's what I want to see happen. I'm telling you who Jesus is and I'm writing all these things in a way so that you would believe and that by believing you would have life in his name. So he's, he's, he's pointing us to not only the answer to the question, but why it's so important. And he's, he's begun to do that in verses 1 through 3 when he says, hey, in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's saying, hey, in the beginning when, Jesus, or when God is creating all of these things, we see the Word, God said, and let there be light. You know, so, so Jesus, he is that Word. He's the Word of God. He, not just that he comes from God, but he, and not that he's just with God, but he is God. He's the eternal God. And he's talking about, you know, the, the, the Trinity, that there is an eternal God, one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and Jesus, the Word, he created everything. So he's beginning to unpack this of who Jesus is, and he comes to verse uh, 4, and he says this, in him, in Jesus, was life. And he addresses really this theme of life throughout the book. And in verse 4, you know, it says, you know, he talks about it, light and darkness. And there's this kind of compare and contrast. And really throughout the rest of the book of John, he, he compares and contrasts life and death. And, and, and he's showing us that here, through, you know, really throughout the book of John, what that is. And here's just a few verses, uh, John 3.15. And whoever believes in him uh, may have eternal life. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. John 5, 40, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and life. He says, I'm the bread of life. Peter even just says, Jesus, where will we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. <clears throat> John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's death. But I have come that you have, may have life and have it to the full. John 14, 20, or 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when you look here in verse 4, and really throughout the book, here's what John is saying. Jesus is life, but you're dead. Jesus is life, but you 
are dead. And that, I mean, that's just like the first point here. Jesus, he's, he's life. He's the source of life, eternal life. Right? So, that, so that helps us answer the question of who is Jesus, but also John is showing, hey, why is that important? I'm not just telling you who Jesus is, but I'm also telling you why this is important, because apart from Jesus, you're dead. This, this, this world is in death. To be more specific, you know, you, the world, the people, apart from Jesus, you're, you're, just, you're just dead. You're spiritually dead. And, and so what, is, what does that mean, life and death? You know, because we kind of might think about it like, what do you mean? You know, that, uh, I see life all around me. I'm alive, and, and I see people enjoying life. So let me, let me try to help wrap our minds around this a, a little bit. You know, there, there's life in one sense. You know, you, you're alive, but the chair that you're sitting in is not alive. Right? That's just kind of like bios, biology. There, there's phys- you have physical life, but the chair that you're sitting in doesn't. And you, you recognize that. Okay, this is dead. I'm alive. This is just physically not, you know, it, it's nothing. All right? But then there are different levels of life. A potato is alive. But then you would be like, but a dog... A dog is different than a potato. And you would say, hey, the dog has different life than a potato life. And then yet you, yourself, you'd be like, but I also have different life than a dog. Definitely different than a cat. <laughs> I don't know if I like that, Ricky. I like cats. You know, well, you know that's why we're you know, coming to Jesus. But, you know, so like we, we recognize the difference. Hey, there's a potato. And sure, it's alive. But a dog, that's different than a potato. Dog life is different than potato life, but also human life is different than a dog life. I mean, that, that's a big gap, and there's, there's a difference there. And, you know, that's this, like, mental life, psyche life. And, and we recognize the, this difference. But then Jesus comes, and he's saying, hey, you recognize this in, like, physical life and mental life, but, hey, there's also this, this difference, this gap between spiritual life. Right? Just, just as much as, as there is a gap between potato life and, you know, human life, there's even actually a bigger gap between what you have now and then life in me. Because right now, it's not just like potato life and human life, it's death and life. Eternal life in, in me, in Jesus. So that there's, there's this, this different life that's much better, that's much greater. But he's saying, hey, you don't have that. I mean, think of the movie Pinocchio. I don't know if you remember that. It's an old Disney movie. And there's this, this kind of puppet, and it's dead. And then, you know, I, you know it comes, comes kind of a life, you know, and it's still, it's still a puppet, but it can talk, and Pinocchio can move around. And what does Pinocchio want throughout the whole movie? He says, I want to be a real boy. Right? That, that's his thing. That's, that's what he wants. Hey, hey, I know that I'm moving around and I can say things, but there's something else that I don't have. And that's what I want. I want to become a, a real boy because there's something more. There's something greater. And that's what John is saying here. Hey, Jesus in him was life. And that's what you need because you don't have this life, this life with Jesus, this life with God, this new life. You're dead. Which we, you know, like we, we might not really like hearing that. Hey, you're, you're, you're dead. You know, like, hey, why don't we just kind of say that we're sick? Why don't we just kind of say that we're, we're, we're sick in our sin or that we're hurting in our sin? 
or just kind of messed up. You know, but the Bible really makes this clear to us, even though we, we kind of might find that idea of like, some, you know, the Bible telling us that, hey, you're dead, even though we might find that offensive, the Bible makes it very clear like, hey, it's not that you're sick in your sin. It's not that you're hurting in your sin. You're dead in your sin. You know, Ephesians 2.1 says, you know, you, you're once dead. So the Bible's saying, hey, it's not like you just, you know, it's not like you're doing okay and we just need to brush you up and kind of get you to 2.0 version of yourself. It's not like you just need some fixing. It's not because you're, you know, it's not just that you're broken. And I know sometimes even when I say, you know, sometimes I say, hey, you're broken. But what I mean by that, at least when I say it, is, hey, it's not that you just sin sometimes, Or it's not just that you've made some bad choices and mistakes in your life. It's like you, your condition apart from Jesus is hopeless. You're you're dead. You're totally lost. You can't fix yourself. Because it's not that you, you just need like a few little repairs. You need life. I mean, if you've been to a funeral... You, you know, and if they have an open casket, you know, you see, hey, there's the body. That, there's where it is. But you know, hey, they're not alive. Why? Because the soul is apart from the body. And because, because of that separation, there's no life there. And the same is true. Just for you, the, the soul apart from Jesus, there's no life there. Just like there'd be no life in a body. A, the soul apart from the body. And so... Here's the cool thing is, is you don't need, you know, Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, you need better morals. Hey, hey, I've come. You don't, you don't just need to get your life in order. You need a new life. You need real life. Eternal life. In, in, in me. You don't need to become a better person, but a totally new person. You, 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 in Jesus, in Him, you is life, and you're you're made alive in Him. And and, and here, here's the crazy thing, and, and you know you see this throughout John. I mean, going going back to Pinocchio, how did you know at the end of the movie? Spoiler alert, in case you haven't watched this really decades old movie, and Pinocchio, Pinocchio does become a real boy. How does he become a real boy? It, the, the, he he's laying there still in his puppet self and and the fairy you know said at the beginning hey if you prove yourself to be brave to be um true to be unselfish then one day you'll become a real boy and the fairy is saying hey if, if you prove yourself if you if you pass the test then you'll be awarded that and here's here's the good no, good news the good news is god actually knows that you can never pass the test God knows that you fail at it miserably. And so you don't earn any award, but here's, here's the thing. But there is a gift. The gift is Jesus. Right when John is writing this, and this is why Christmas is so amazing, it's like, hey, there's a gift that's been given to you. A gift that's been given to the world. In him was life. And hey, this isn't something that you do to earn or, or, or pass the test or prove yourself. No, you've actually proven yourself that, you're, you know, that you can't get it, that you can't make yourself alive. 
You can't bring yourself back because you're dead. You, dead people don't do anything. But hey, Jesus comes and he gives you life. He gives you new life in him. How did he do that? Because he died for you, paid the price for you on the cross, and then he rose again, conquering sin and death for us. He took on your death onto himself so that you might live. You know, and, and, and in this, this is not just about like, hey, heaven or hell, and you know, don't go to, go to hell and go to heaven. This is Jesus. Jesus is life. You know, John says in, in John 17, 3, he, and this is eternal life, that you may know him. Oh, man, that's awesome. Right? Jesus is saying like, hey, I'm not coming here to like just kind of fix you and give you kind of these new morals and these little philosophy things to follow. Right? That's what, the, that's, that's what all the rest of the religions do. Hey, here, here's, here's a way to know how, you know, a, a guide for life. Here's a philosophy for life. That's what everything else offers. Here's a way to make sure that you are good enough to pass the test so that you might get life when you die. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not at all what I'm doing. I've come to give you myself that you may know me. That's life. And it's not something that you earn, but I give it to you. This isn't philosophy. It's, it's me. I've come to give you myself. This is eternal life that you may know him. May know Christ. So we get, you know, we get to know God. That's the relationship with God. I mean, this is saying like, hey, you want to know what the good news is? You get God. You get God. And so he's answering this question for us. We see here in verse 4, Jesus is life, but you're dead. And then he continues on with this. And the life... Verse 4, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And then there's this, you know, kind of correlation between life and light. The life was the light, but the light shines in the darkness. And and what John here is doing is he's taking us back to Genesis. And he started that in verse 1. In the beginning, when you think that, you're like, oh, it's the beginning. It's Genesis. And he's saying, you know, hey, just back when you'd go to Genesis, and you would see that God... By his words, by his voice, he speaks and creation happens. He's saying, hey, that is Jesus, the word, who is God. And then what's the first thing that, that, that we see? And, the, and then there was darkness. You go back to Genesis and there was darkness. But God said, let there be light. And just as there's this chaos and this darkness, but God you know, breaks into that chaos and darkness through his word, the, the same thing that happened in Genesis is happening now. Jesus, the light, is breaking into the chaos and the darkness of this fallen, sinful world. Into your fallen, sinful heart. And so, you know, this is the second point, is that Jesus is light, and you, this world, is in darkness. Imagine if you were born in a cave. The cave is completely dark. This is the world that you you live in, and it's all that you know. You don't even, if, if you're born into a cave and it's completely dark and that's all that you know, you wouldn't even know that you were in darkness. Right? You, you wouldn't even know. Right? How, how would you actually become aware that there is anything else outside of the world that you live in in this dark cave that's completely dark? How would you know? Because some light shined in. Right? We live in a dark world. 
We see it. We, 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 we feel it. Even, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in, in the Bible, you feel it. Man, there's something messed up with this world. There's, there's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something different. Because, I don't, man, what's wrong? And I think the reason that we feel that, even, even for people that don't you know, believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in Jesus, the reason, I'd say the reason that you feel that is because you were not created to live in the dark. But you were created to live in right relationship with God which is light. But because we're in darkness, that's just the world that we, you know, that we're all in, we're ignorant. We're ignorant of, of, of our condition, ignorant of sin. Just like a cave person, you know, would be ignorant that, that they couldn't even see. They wouldn't even know it. Not because they don't have eyes, but because they're in darkness. And John says that Jesus is life and light. But, but you know, there, there's this, this problem that, that we're confused and we're blinded. Because this is kind of the world that we live in. Many times we're just confused to even know that we're in darkness. And then we're confused to even know what is light. I mean, when, or, or we, when we think of things in our life that we think that will give us light and life... You know, we, we, we think we can find it in the approval of others. We think that we could find it in just being comfortable and having life kind of be the way that we want it to be. That's, we'll think, that's light, that's life. And we'll always be looking for those things and trying to grab onto those things. Hey, if I could just have enough money, if I could be in the right kind of relationship. Right, and those things are fine. But, but they're, they're not life. And, and because... We're, we're in this, this darkness. We also don't recognize really just how all of life is in Jesus. I mean, you know, even if I say, and we read this, Jesus is life. You know, you probably think, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of life. I think, I think he's, you know, kind of better than most. He has some life, right? And, 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 and you, we, you know, we, we fail to see how Jesus is ultimate life. Ultimate joy, ultimate peace, ultimate like life and light in Him. Right? And even when I say that, you might think, be thinking, well, that's no big deal. That's really not that bad. Because here's the thing, you get used to living in the darkness. Right? You get, you get used to being in the dark cave. And if, you, and if you live in a dark cave, you can't see. You can't see the world that you live in. You can't even see really yourself very well. To even know what you look like. But if the light shines in, things become clear. And Jesus coming allows the world, allows you to see that you're actually in darkness. Allows you to see the world that you live in. Allows you to see yourself. That actually allows you to see God in a, in a much clearer way that he's really true. I mean, C.S. Lewis, he said this, I believe in Christ. Like I believe in the sun. Not because I can see it, but by it I could see everything else. Right? And Jesus helps us know these things. The light shines into the darkness. Now that Jesus has come, we know what a dead life we have. 
Jesus says, I, I am the light of the world. And, he, and Jesus helps us to see that we need to be rescued out of darkness. Not just because we live in a dark world and the darkness is out there. But Jesus coming helps us to know, yes, there is a dark world out there, but also there's a dark world in here. There's darkness in me. And we have this great need that we cannot meet. We're powerless to do anything about it, to overcome the darkness in the world or, or in us. But the light shines in the darkness. And so we're in this dark cave completely in there. We, we know nothing else, but this is what Jesus does. He busts a hole in the dark cave and then comes down to bring us out. Not just I'm going to shine a little bit of light into your world and hopefully you see it and get out of here. I'm coming to get you and I'm going to pull you out of the darkness. Man, this is awesome. You know, again, just why I love celebrating Christmas. The light has come. Jesus has arrived. Come to rescue you, you and me out of the darkness. This is what Isaiah 9-2 says. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The gospel is good news that you don't have to, no longer do you have to wander around in the darkness and the despair of sin. And you know, that darkness is being out of relationship with God, right relationship with him. But Jesus comes to shine light. He, and when it says, the, you know, the light shines in darkness, Jesus came. Not just from far away, here's some light. He's like, no, I'm coming. I'm getting close. I'm getting in. Getting near. And so John, John continues not only does the light shine in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness doesn't like light. You know, this is what uh, John says in 3, 19 and 21. He says, whoever believes in him and Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. Wait a minute, why, 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 why did they do that? Why did they love the dark, darkness more than light? Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. You know, sometimes, I, I, you know, I see people, you know, kind of church people, people that are following Christ, they, they sometimes just seem shocked that the world doesn't really want anything to do with Jesus. You know, and I get that too. It'd be like, why wouldn't you want Jesus? You know, I mean, man, God, this, this God that loves you and saved you by his grace. You know, like, why would, that sounds pretty good. But, but Jesus said, yeah, that's just not how it always goes because people love the darkness. People love the cave. They love their sin. Jesus says, you know, hey, I'm, I've come, come into your darkness. I've come into the dark cave to, to rescue you. And in that, I'm shining this light into your darkness. But when you look at the light, it can be hard. Let's say that you've been, you know, in a, in a movie theater or in your bedroom and the lights have all been off and then someone turns on the light. What happens? Everybody makes the same, same sound. Ugh. You know, it kind of almost hurts your eyes because you've grown so used to the darkness. And, the, you know, the same... If, if that's true physically, it's true spiritually too. Jesus, the light coming into that, that's not always something that's really welcomed 
Because sometimes the light shining into the darkness of not really just your eyes, but your heart hurts. Why? Because the light exposes. Man, if I'm in darkness, then nobody knows. Nobody has to see. I don't have to see what's there. But when light comes, man, it lets you know what's there. Man, nobody likes to be told that they stink, that they're sinful. So light doesn't always like that. But, you know, so he's saying here that this is what's going on here. And then he says, hey, the, the, the darkness has not overcome it. The light is invading into the darkness. The forces of light are stronger than the forces of darkness. You know, darkness can act like it can overcome light. I mean, we see this in, in Matthew. You know, Herod can try to defeat light. He could try to kill all, kill all the babies. You know, the, the, and to try to get Jesus. The religious elite tried to stop Jesus. And then they had him crucified, even, you know, even in Satan. You know, Peter says that he roams around like a roaring lion. You know, so he's trying to intimidate. And there is, you know, so John is saying, hey, there is this conflict between light and dark, good and evil. But a lot of times I think that we think that they're equal in power. But that's just not at it at all. The darkness has not overcome it. Light is invading in and the darkness can't stop it. And then think, Jesus faced the darkness. He faced temptation in the desert, but he didn't sin. He was betrayed. He was mocked. But then he prays, Father, they don't know what they're doing. And please forgive them. His friends deserted him, but he restored them. You know, these are darknesses that, that Jesus faced. And we can relate to these darknesses too. And Jesus is intimately acquainted with all of them, and he made a way through it for us. Darkness has not overcome it. And when John is writing this, he's anticipating the rest of the story, the life of Jesus, that Jesus faced all of the darknesses that we face, and then he is anticipating the story like, hey, Jesus is going to have darkness unloaded on him on the cross, but guess what? Jesus rose from the dead. The darkness has not overcome it, and it will not. Darkness has done everything that it could. It is schemed and it plotted, but it ran out of ideas. And no matter what the darkness does to try to stop it, to slow it down, the light will shine. And right now, the light of Christ still is shining into this world, into your life. He gives you strength when you're facing temptation. He gives you comfort in pain. He gives you joy in the midst of suffering. Him, his gospel brings truth to the lies that you're being told. He comes into this darkness with his presence. And John is saying, hey, it might feel a little different, but know that the darkness has not overcome it. And John, John, he's he's helped us answer this question. Okay, who is Jesus? Why is that important for us? Jesus is is life. He's eternal life. Him, this relationship with God, to know him and him is light. And the the light shines in the darkness. And and hey, that's important to you because you're dead. You're in darkness. And man, Jesus can bring you out of that. John's helping us answer those questions. But I think that this, through this, it poses a couple of questions to us. I think that the first question is this. Are you alive? If Jesus is life, are you alive? Do you have life? 
Do you, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And, and you know, this might be this easy answer that we kind of get in our brain. Well, yeah, sure. Sure. You know, Jesus, Jesus came. I think he was a real guy. Hey, man, yeah, of course, Jesus. You know, I grew up in church, man. That's not the question, is do you think Jesus came a couple thousand years ago? The question isn't, did you grow up in church? The question is, are you alive? Do you know him? How do you know? You're like, well, how do I know if I'm alive? How do you know if I even know Jesus? You know, one time we were sitting at the dinner table and um, our, middle, or our middle son, Colton, he randomly says, and says something. He just goes, you know, I don't remember what it was like before I was born. <laughs> uh, me neither, right? You know, it's like, and this kind of stuff happens a lot. Right, it, you know, I, I get it, and that's kind of weird. But here, here's the, here's here's this like even in my 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 son, there's this thought of like, wait a minute, there's this recognition of there was once a time when I was not around. There was this this once this time that I wasn't alive. I think one of the ways for you to know, hey, do I am I alive right now? Is that you you know that you were once dead. You once know that what that there there's a time when I didn't have life. But because Jesus came and, and drew me, man, I've, I have life. You know, even just to help us answer this question. You know, I thought, what, what if my wife, what if Christy just suddenly was gone? Suddenly died, Thanos, snap, whatever. She's gone. You know, I thought, man, yeah, I would lose a wife. But I would... I would lose her. I, 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 if she's gone, I, it's not that I wouldn't have this just wife and somebody to help with the kids. It's that I wouldn't have her. I wouldn't have this relationship. I wouldn't have this, this oneness that, that we've had. And, and the same is, is true with Christ. Man, if you don't have Christ, you don't have this him. You don't have this relationship. You don't have this oneness. This, with him, are you alive? Do you, do you know Jesus? And if you don't, you, I mean, you can know him today, not because you're sitting in church, not because you like cleaned yourself up in some special way. It's because Jesus offers that to you by a gift of his grace and just says, hey, just believe. Come to me. Believe in, in who I am. Believe in what I've done for you. And I've paid the price for your sin. So the first question is just, are you alive? Second question is this. If you have life, if you, if you do have this new life in Jesus, are you experiencing it? Right? Do, you, do you see that this new life actually at work in your life? Is there change? Is there transformation? You know, if we say we have a new life in Jesus, is there any kind of newness to it at all? Do you see yourself because, because you have this relationship with Christ, because you know him, because his spirit lives in you, do you see any kind of change or transformation happening in you? Not, not just like your behavior, not just the things you act, but, but you. That your mind is being renewed, that your delights are changing, that you have this increased closeness with Christ, that you, that you delight in generosity, you delight in serving others you delight in, in pursuing holiness. You delight in grace or forgiveness. 
You're hearing the voice of God in your life and you're obeying, even if it's tough. You know, if you're not experiencing that, know that the light is still shining in your life. Like if you're not, if you're like, you know what, Jesus, or Ricky, you know, hey, yeah, I kind of believe, but, but yeah, I don't know if I'm really seeing any kind of transformation in my life. I don't know if I'm experiencing this new life. Know that Jesus is still at work in your life. If you're, if you're not really changing, I don't want you to feel defeated and just look at yourself and determine, oh, hey, man, New Year's right around, boom. I don't see this new life. I'm going to go make it happen. I'm going to go make this change happen. I, I wouldn't tell you to, to do that at all. You, you can't do it. You're not the source of life. You're not the source of change. Jesus is. And John would say, hey, if you're not saying that, believe that's always the thing they draw us to believe in Jesus. Trust in him. Trust in who he is. Trust in what he's done for you. Believe that Jesus is better. Believe that he saved you. Believe that he's made you a child of God. If, you, if you're having trouble believing, ask him to help you believe. Pray. Here would be one next step if you're not seeing this new life you know, just happen, this life change your life. Pray to God and ask him to grow you in one area. Just think of one thing and say, God, could you just please do this in my life? I know that you have the power and I don't. I know that you're the light and I'm not. You're the life and I'm not. But I have this relationship with you. Please do something in my life. The light helps us to, believe, you know, to, to expose these lies that we believe in our life. That the things around us aren't the source of life. Your job, your comfort, your looks, none of that gives you life. And if you're, if you're starting to lean towards those things, again, just pray to God and say, God, help me to not believe these lies and to believe that you're actually better. How many believe, God? You know, because in all of this, you know, and, and basically if you're like, Ricky, always, what do you want for us? I, I would say in, basically in everything that we do, every sermon, I would say this. I want us more and more to not just change our behavior and be good people. What I want for, for myself and for you is that we behold God, that we grow in this awe of Jesus and that even when we read these verses, when it's like, man, in him was life, we're like, yes, he is life. Man, he's so good. He's amazing. And that we're growing in this awe and wonder of God because, gosh, the, this, this light has shined in the darkness of my life. His love has come into my life. I'm knowing more and more of just how amazing it is that he loves me. That he's rescued me. This is, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, Christmas is one of the most absurd things I've ever heard. God came to rescue me? That's, what? And that, that as we just believe in Jesus, as we behold who he is, we'll experience more and more of the new life in him. Because it is in him. This relationship with him. And so, in, in all this, you know, Rejoice. Be glad because there is a life that is better than your best life now. It's better than your best beach body. It's better than your best paycheck. It's better than your best day with your kids. We're not made for the best life that we can create. We're made for the very life of Jesus in us and through us. To have this relationship with him. And John is saying, hey, just believe in him that the light of the world, the life has come. And he's just saying, come to me. Believe in me that you may have life and light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have come, that you have 
um, Lord, that, that you are life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to just believe in you, to behold you, Lord, and to look to you for the new life that you can give us. Lord, help us to experience more and more of that. Lord, not, not, not because we're just being kind of better people, but we have this real, more real, deep, intimate, close relationship with, with you, this oneness with you, and we're being changed and transformed. So God, we just pray for that. We ask this in your name. Amen.